0: We want to welcome all of you today to our service thank you so much for choosing to be here you could have chosen to do a lot of other things but you came here to worship with this church pitts baptist so thank you if you're a guest here today a visitor we ask you to please take one of the care cards that are located there in the pew rack in front of you or if you're in the front view at the side uh please get one of those and fill in your information and then there's a place in the back to request information from our church for all of us there's a place to fill in a prayer uh, request if you have a prayer need uh, we want to get those. And as you leave today, there are two giving boxes. That's also where you can put your offering if you need to do that. Uh, on two boxes on the double door as you leave, just place those there, and we'll make sure we get those to the right people. And the staff does get those, and we pray for our church family and want to do that. So take a moment to do that uh, right before we get into service. We'd love to have that information from you. Uh, we do have a quarterly breakfast next Sunday in the core at 8 30 you can come by and it's just a great time of fellowship to get to know some other people here in our church and get to know them that's down at the court at 8 30 next sunday last week we made our teacher roster for community groups for the 23 24 year uh, available to you we need to vote on those this morning uh, but before we do that we also need to add a name uh, scott dry would like to serve as our men's ministry leader Uh, He is very excited about that, to be a part of ministry here at Pitts Baptist with our men's group. You're going to be seeing him, obviously, if he gets voted in. If you are in favor, we need to go into business for just a moment. If you're a member and you are in favor of these names for community groups uh, and Scott Dry being our men's ministry director to go forward, would you just signify by saying aye? Aye. If you're opposed, like sign. There are none. And so we want to uh, present those names and then put those into, pra- uh, into uh, work next, by next Sunday. You'll see those people working, and we want to encourage you. Next Sunday begins our new Sunday school year. If you're not a part of a small group, get here a little bit before 9. I'm usually at the desk down at the front. There's people up here stationed in the lobby. We'll make sure to get you into a small group to be a part of that. That's a, an awesome time to, to study God's Word together, get to know people your age who are dealing with some of the same issues. Uh, that you're dealing with. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. So thank you. Uh, So at this time, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to ask you to take just a moment to bow your head where you're seated and do a, a time of silent prayer to get your heart prepared for worship, and then I'll pray out loud. Let's pray together. God, sometimes it is good for us just to pause for a moment, get silent before you. God, worship you. Bring our requests to you. And God, just to listen to maybe what you want to say to us. God, I know there are a lot of requests that have just gone up silently from these pews, God. And God, you know each of those situations, and we pray that for each person you would give them wisdom to know what to do. God, you know about those things better than we do. Sometimes we just need to wait and be still and wait for you to work too, God. So give us wisdom to know what to do. God, there are probably loved ones that we have that are maybe uh, sick or dealing with an issue. God, there are things on our heart, maybe about work or family that are personal to us. And God, we, we lift those up before you. God, we pray that this time that we've set aside to come here would be pleasing to you, Lord, as we sing, as we hear the message that you have given to our, our, our under-shepherd, Pastor Scott. God, I pray that you would use him today to speak through him to our, our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, just uh, give us a great day today and help it to be pleasing to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.
1: Would you stand as we sing together? about the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Let's sing this great hymn together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust His sweetest prey, but wholly in on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my Jesus, the only one you could ever say worthy of every breath we could
2: ever breathe, we live
1: Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see? a new creation coming is the glory of the lord to be the light within our midst he is. and is it good that we remind ourselves of this Side to side our Messiah will forever those he loves. Does our God intend to dwell again?
3: Amen. Thank you, choir. Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Last week, as you well know, we closed out the Gospel of Mark, uh, looking at the resurrection of Christ and then the way that passage ended. The implication for believers in Christ is to go and tell. And I've been thinking about a passage all week out of Ephesians where Paul says to them, Awake, old sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And thinking about what Paul says in Ephesians 5 there, because of the life of Christ, uh, the implications of that for us, how we are to live And so I want to point out um, uh, to you this morning a passage of Scripture, Christ's resurrection results in a new life for us. I know your study uh, page and the screen says we'll pick up reading in verse 14. Actually, we're going to go all the way back to verse 1 and read down through verse 17. You're a very generous congregation, and you may recall as part of my 25th uh, anniversary here, you gave Connie and me. Uh, Some extra time away that we plan to start utilizing uh, coming this Saturday. And so for much of September, you won't see very much of me. Uh, The two Kevins will be preaching, uh, Cordell and others, on Wednesday nights. uh, So pray for them. And and I am going to try to unplug some this time. Uh, my phone can be quite active on vacation, and uh, lots of things that come up church-related, but I'm going to try to lay that aside some. Uh, I'm not ghosting you if you try to reach me. Just uh, I'm just saying, make sure you call the church office, and if it's something Garrett needs to reach me about, she will know how to do that. And I plan to use this time productively. Uh, uh, Mark came to a close last Sunday morning, this coming Wednesday night, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians comes to a close, and this coming Wednesday also, a series I'm doing at Taylor Glenn comes to a close. I've got three series to work on, so hopefully some good study time too, but I wanted to make you aware of why you won't be seeing that much of me, uh, in fact, until the Mission in Action Sunday on the 17th. That's probably the next time you'll see me again after this coming Wednesday night so anyway thank you again for your uh, generosity and giving us that gift that anniversary gift if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word please Paul begins writing there in verse 1 he says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us "...and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are all out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving." You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is father we're so grateful for the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ that sets the sinner free but Lord along with salvation we know that saved sinners the New Testament now calls saints we are to walk as saints We're to become, practically speaking, what you have already made us positionally. Lord, help us to offer up our lives to you and bear fruit of righteousness. We live in a dark culture. Paul is addressing folks here who lived in a very dark culture. And yet the church at Ephesus, they were to be different. They were to shine as lights. They were to awake from their slumber and arise from the dead, so to speak. Because of the life of Christ in them. And God, I pray the same for us today and every day. Help us to live as salt and light in our communities. And to bear witness of you and bear witness of the change that you've made in us. We're grateful for that change. We're grateful for what we have to look forward to. But Lord, may we also be grateful for this time that we have currently to live for Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Folks, in Ephesians 5, as we've just read, we see some wonderful results or implications that are to take place in our lives because of Jesus Christ living in us, because of the life of Christ in us. Now, we need to understand the context of this passage In fact, this whole entire section of Ephesians. Uh, This is the application to the gospel portion of the book of Ephesians or the doctrinal section of the book the, uh, book of Ephesians. That was the first half of the letter. And Paul laid down some wonderful truths there. In Ephesians 1, he talked about how we've been chosen uh, in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, In him, we have redemption through his blood. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. He has sealed us. With His holy Spirit. And, and chapter two, he talked about how we were once dead in trespasses and sins, but while we were dead in trespasses and sins, God made us alive together in Christ. In chapter three, he goes on to talk about this mystery revealed. And, and how this is coming to play. And then in chapter 4, he really zeroes in on beginning to talk about the implications of doctrine upon our lifestyles. In light of what God has done for us in Christ, how are we to now live? How are we to conduct ourselves? Because if doctrine doesn't impact our daily lives, we've missed something along the way. We are to live as new creations in Christ where the old has gone and the new has come. And so he indicates in chapter 4 verse 17, for example, that we'll come back to in a little later, that we're not to live anymore like the Gentiles live. Now Gentiles in this context is talking about lost men and women. Sometimes the New Testament uses the word Gentiles. Uh, in sort of a neutral way, just to describe anybody who is not a Jew. But sometimes Gentile is used in the bad sense of pagans. The ancient Gentiles were oftentimes anything but holy. And yet they had all of their mystery religions and all of their pagan religions and idols. They were idol worshippers and they would proclaim commitment to their false gods while at the same time they would live in moral filth. That's the sense of Gentiles here. Paul says we aren't to live like the Gentiles who don't know God. They live in the futility of their minds. Their understanding is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. They've given themselves over to immorality and licentiousness and impurity. Folks, doesn't it sound like the Ephesians world was a lot like our world today? Paul goes on to uh, tell the Ephesians, what you must do as a believer now is to put, all, put away those old ways. You're not to live this way anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. Put away the old ways. Put on the new. I think, if, I think what Paul is showing right there that if a Christian is not careful about his or her walk with the Lord, it's easy to slip back into some of the old ways. And Paul says, don't do it. Be renewed in your thinking. Be renewed in your living. Think and live like a Christian ought to think and live. And so he closes chapter 4 with a laundry list of things that we are to lay aside. And then things that we are to embrace. He's so bold to begin chapter 5 saying be imitators of God. Wow, think, of that, think about that for a minute. What a challenge that is. To be imitators of God. And then he again begins using language of putting off and putting on. The image is of having dirty clothes on. What do you do? You take the dirty clothes off and you put on clean clothes. Hopefully after you've taken a shower. You put on the new and so this morning let's think about all this what should life look like knowing the resurrection of Christ has happened and the resurrected Christ dwells within us what should that look like first of all this morning dropping down to verse 11 and following I want you to see that we are to pay close attention as to how we live Paul says, in fact, in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. If you're reading from the King James Version this morning, it says uh, to walk circumspectly. We don't use that word very much anymore, but to walk circumspectly simply means you're looking around as you walk. You're you're looking around very carefully at at your lifestyle." You're paying attention to how you're living your life. You're watching your steps. We tell our children and grandchildren to do this, don't we? We tell them to pay very close attention to their. To their surroundings, look around, be careful, you know, stranger danger and things like that. Pay very close attention to what's going on around you. Don't be oblivious to your surroundings, you know, your, your eyes and your head and your cell phone. You're walking along, maybe headphones on or something, and you're not even paying attention to what's going on around you. You can be in danger. There can be danger around you. And so we're to walk circumspectly, looking around, walking carefully, paying attention to our lifestyles. What patterns are we living? What are our habits? What are we trading a day of our lives for? You see folks, the person who doesn't recognize God just tends to get up and go about his or her life. Not even thinking much of the larger eternal issues of life. And Paul is saying as believers, that's not how we're to live. We need to do a periodic checkup and ask ourselves, how am I walking? And notice what Paul, how he breaks this down. He said, what's it going to look like if we're living circumspectly and carefully? Well, he says, first of all, not walking in foolishness. We're not to walk like those around us in the culture. I mentioned chapter 4 a moment ago. Think again about his words in chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. He says, This I say therefore and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of their heart. And they having become callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Paul's saying the lost man walks in a very foolish way. He walks in the futility of his mind. His mind is in darkness and so that's how he lives his life. That's how he conducts his actions. A lost man can be brilliant. He can be highly educated. She can be highly educated. Absolutely brilliant when it comes to the ways of the world. But nonetheless, they walk without a true understanding of life and eternity. They don't know God, and because of the rejection of God, there is a callousness over their heart. And because of that, they only know to basically live for the sensual and the material. Folks, if you only live by the sensual and the material, let that be an alarm bell going off in your head that something is wrong. Something is deeply wrong if you're only living for the things of this world and the sensual and the material elements in life that's foolish living and that's not how Christians are supposed to live we're to be wiser than that the book of Proverbs talks so much about wisdom in Proverbs 1 uh, Solomon says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the market, she raises her voice. You see, God's made his wisdom available. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks, How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Solomon goes on in chapter 2 to say, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You hear what Proverbs is saying? God delights to give His wisdom. He delights to give His understanding to those who want it. God is over and over again inviting us to walk circumspectly, to examine our steps, to walk carefully, to to pay attention to what we're giving our lives to. Folks, an unexamined life will tend to become a wasted life. And then he continues breaking this down to emphasize this. He says, as I mentioned, first of all, not walking in foolishness. Now he says, walking in wisdom. We're to awake to this. Look back at verse 14 in Ephesians 5. It's kind of like an alarm clock. God is sending off an alarm clock through his word here. He's saying, hey folks, wake up wake up are you awake this morning are you awake in your daily life it's time for you to wake up you're to rise from the dead you were dead in your old ways but now you're in christ you've been resurrected uh, to live and spiritually resurrected and one day literally resurrected. If Christ dwells in you, the resurrected life of Christ dwells in you, you've got new life. And literally one day you will be raised bodily to new life. Why? Because you're now in Christ. You're not the old man or the old woman anymore. And so you're to wake up and rise from the dead. And he assures us if we will do that, Christ will shine on us. We will not be alone. Christ will help us to wake up and live the new life. Folks, Paul is writing to Gentiles who some of them had quite a checkered past. Some of you as Christians now perhaps had quite a checkered past. But now, as he's pointing out in this letter, we've been quickened by our spirit. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Now we're alive in Christ. We've been regenerated. We've been saved. And so the whole entire orientation of life must change. We're to wake up and walk in wisdom. Just like we know that we're to walk in the light and walk in holiness, the Bible says we're to wake up and walk in wisdom. You know, there's two kinds of wisdom that the Bible talks about. First of all, there's the wisdom from below, and then there's the wisdom from above. James talks about both of these in his letter. In James chapter 3, James asks, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But 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 if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. that, That wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural. James says it's even demonic. The wisdom from below that we witness so much of in the culture, he says it's demonic. But then he says there's a wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. This is the wisdom that Christians are to walk in. We are to know the ways of God and we are to practice the ways of God. And how will this express itself? It will express itself in our lives by our conduct. I think one of the most tragic cases in the entire Old Testament about walking in wisdom would have been Samson. Now folks, I believe that Samson was a saved man. God called Samson to be one of the judges, one of the leaders, but he compromised his life. He lost his influence. Ultimately, through what he did, he ended up losing his life. He didn't walk circumspectly. Samson had a problem with women he was always going after the wrong women you know he saw a beautiful Philistine girl and the Israelite boys had been told the kind of girl they were to go after they weren't to marry outside of of Israel but he told his parents get her for me they begged him To choose a girl from their own people, but he would have nothing of it. Well, after her, Samson continued to go after prostitutes in his life. Imagine that. And then he ended up with Delilah. And we all know how that story turned out. Here's a man that God had called and Filled him with his spirit. That's why I say I think Samson was a saved man. But he was a man who compromised everything about his integrity and everything about his faith. I mean, he compromised everything. And it ended up costing him dearly. Oh, if somehow or another he could have read, if Ephesians 5 would have been available to Samson at the time. And he would have lived by it. The pain and suffering it would have saved him and his family. Can I ask you this morning, how are you walking? How are you living? Are you walking in the footsteps of Jesus? Are you walking like a Christian should? Are you awake and alert to what Christ is doing and wants to do in your life? Or you consistently, maybe as a young person, making the wrong choices. You know you're saved. Your parents know you're you're saved, but you're constantly compromising your faith and making wrong choices. Wake up. Secondly, this morning, I want you to see that we're to be we're to pay close attention as to. Our use of time. He says in verse 16, Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Walking in wisdom is to be shown by what we do with each day. Folks, Christians need to consider time as much more important than we typically do. Dr. John MacArthur says of this verse, he writes, Outside of purposeful disobedience to God's word, the most spiritually foolish thing a Christian can do is to waste time and opportunity. We need to think about the importance of time in in biblical thinking. I want you to remember in the context of biblical thinking, for some religions, ancient religions that God's people were surrounded by, for ancient pagan religions, history was oftentimes meaningless. It might be cyclical, meaning that you live and die, and some of them believed you'd come back as something else. You know, if you lived well, you might come back rich and famous. If you don't live well, you might come back as David Fink. (laughs) Just kidding, you know. But how you lived, you know, how you were living now determined what your next life was going to be like. That's how many of the people around the children of Israel lived. They identified their gods oftentimes with some aspect of nature, the sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, the rain. And and the flow of these was cyclical. History really had no meaning. But folks, the faith in the Bible is historical faith. History means something. It's linear. God is writing history. And there's a deep and profound purpose to it. Think with me a minute about when God called Abraham He made him a promise that would be fulfilled in history The incarnation of Jesus Christ was the decisive point of God's intervention in history Paul in Galatians 4 says When the fullness of time came God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law In order that he might redeem those who were under the law That they might receive the adoption as sons And what do we look forward to today? We look forward to the consequences of history when Jesus Christ comes back time means something history means something it's not just this meaningless cycle that we do it and then we come back as something else and we do it all over again. No, God's working in history. He's carrying this world, the whole created order, to a fulfillment in purpose, a consummation of purpose when he makes all things new. You know, what? I think it was Patrick Henry as a patriot said, I, just, I regret that I only have one life to live for my country. A Christian ought to live with that same type of passion. I regret that I just have one life to live for for Jesus Christ. And we ought to be living that life with purpose within our history. And then Paul gives the command to seize time. Look at what he goes on to say says, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Literally what he's talking about here is redeem the time. And some of your translations probably say that. That you are to redeem the time. And it's interesting the word choices here. Because you see there's a couple of different words for time. There's chronos time. The time on your watch or on your calendar that says, I still have plenty of time this morning to preach. You don't even need to be looking at, at Kronos time this morning. i got a long ways to go before I'm out of time. And then there's Kairos time. Kairos time is a special moment of opportunity. And that's the word Paul's using here, Kairos. Like when Jesus said, my appointed time, my kairos is near. Paul is saying, redeem the kairos. Folks, we are not just marking chronos time. We are practicing kairos time within chronos time. We are looking for Christ-honoring moments within the calendar time of the day you follow what i'm saying a perfect example of this may be somebody at your work tomorrow that says hey could we grab a bite of lunch together today my wife and i went to church yesterday for the first time ever And and, and I've I've never heard some of the things the pastor spoke on. Can we go to lunch today and you tell me a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian? What would you want to do? You'd want to grab a hold of that Kairos moment. Moments like that don't always just come around. Paul is saying you need to redeem time for those moments. Because left to itself, the days are evil. Think of what scripture is saying there. If we just let time on planet earth tick by and we don't purpose as believers to do something with it, what's the typical outcome going to be? Evil. That's the direction the world is going in. It's just like water tends to flow downhill. Electricity takes the the path of least resistance. If you and I just sort of tread water and mark time and we're not careful with it, we're just going to kind of end up going with the flow. And it's not going to take any effort or purpose to do so. And Paul says we're not to live that way. We went with the flow long enough Every one of us can testify to wasted time, wasted years. And now Paul is saying redeem some of that time back. It's market language. You go into the market and the old word redeem something, buy something up. Well, well, Paul is saying Christians need to buy up time to use for Christ honoring purposes. The great theologian Charles Hodge out of Princeton, uh, Princeton of another era, he, he said, what we're to be doing with time is rescuing it from waste or abuse. Rescuing it from waste or abuse. Just as Christ redeemed us, rescuing us from a futile existence, giving us new life, empowered by His Spirit, so now we have the privilege of using our time for the Lord's purposes. Folks, time is precious. We only get so much of it and the opportunities that believers have that comes with it. There's only so much of it. I heard about a, a joke of a man going to see his doctor. And his doctor said, I've got good news for you and I've got bad news for you. And the man said, well, give me the good news first. The doctor said, the good news is you're a very sick man and you only have one day to live. And the man said, that's the good news? Man, what's the bad news? The doctor says, said, I was supposed to call you yesterday and give you this news. Every day is a gift from God. Lamentations 3 says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Folks, we can be prone to two extremes, can't we? On the one hand, somebody can waste their time and waste their opportunities procrastination, just doing whatever. On on the other hand, some people can drive themselves mercilessly and they never rest, they never relax. Both of those extremes leave God out. I would say to you, if you're not a Christian today, especially do not take time for granted Please do not take time for granted if you're not a Christian. The prophet Amos warned the people of his day, prepare to meet your God. It may be sooner than you think. Remember Jesus' parable of the the ten virgins, five foolish, five wise. The five foolish thought they had plenty of time. But the five who were ready went in to the banquet and the door was shut and the others showed up having thought they had plenty of time to take care of what they needed and they got to the door and you remember what they were told at the door? The door shut. Depart from me. I don't know you. If you're an unbeliever, I'd say don't take time and your opportunities to come to Christ for granted you may not have the time you think you do. Especially in the type of world we live in today with all the stuff going on around us. Thirdly, I want you to see this morning, pay very close attention to understanding the will of God. Look at verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The foolish person not only misses opportunities to make use of their time, the, the lost person has an even bigger fundamental problem. They don't understand the will of God and God's purposes for mankind. They just don't understand. What is God's will? We need to understand pastors are asked by people... Typically, you ask any pastor what's one of the top questions people ever email you or text you or want to counsel with you about. And and other than problems that might be going on in their lives, probably the number one thing they want to approach you about is they want to know, Pastor, how can I know the will of God? How can I know the will of God? And i tell you, the first step in knowing the will of God is simply to know the Word of God. Saturate your mind and heart with the Word of God. And I'll explain more about that. But you know, when I when I first got saved, what I started doing now now there's no portion of the Word of God that's any more important than the other portions. I want to I want to say that up front. But when I first got saved, I took the letters. I start if you start with like the Book of Romans and read to the end of the Bible, the letters and epistles. Man, I camped out there. Why? Because I, I figured, you know, these these are written to churches about how they are to apply the gospel in their lives. What's it supposed to look like for a group of people together to be to be living the will of the Lord? What's it supposed to look like for married couples? What's it supposed to look like for an individual? The epistles have so much of that application in them. And so I really zeroed in there. But I would say to you, saturate yourself with the whole counsel of God. Take notes in your Bible or have a a journal or an open pad or a laptop or iPad or something you take notes on and and saturate yourself. Why is that so important? Because if I'm going to know the will of God, I need to know who God is, what He is like, and how He has dealt with other people. And where is it that I'm going to learn that? I'm going to learn it in the Bible. In fact, when you know the Scripture, probably 90% of knowing the will of God is there because it'll tell you. Should I start a business with a non-believer? What would the Scripture say? No. Should I date and marry an unbeliever if I'm a Christian? No. Should I live my life for Christ and be generous with the thing towards the things of God? Yes. Does God want me sharing my faith? Yes, does He want me serving somewhere in His church? Yes, so much about the will of God is dealt with in God's word. Now, I realize there's gray areas. Somebody says, Should I buy this house or that house? I mean, there's not a chapter and a verse for that. But there are principles that you can learn in the scripture that will help guide you in those questions. You say, What do you mean? Well, if one house is within your budget and the other's not, what's the Bible say about dead and living? Accordingly to what you can afford. Principles in the Bible that'll help guide you through those decisions where there's not a chapter and a verse. And then obviously there's prayer. Seek God in prayer about His will. And then I, I would also say turn to fellow mature believers who've walked with the Lord a long time. Sit down and talk to them and glean from them. The Bible says in the presence of many counselors there is wisdom. If you're a husband wife, seek for agreement in your marriage about major decisions if you come home and tell your wife honey i think we need to do this and she says "Ah, i just don't i don't feel good about that at all men you better pay attention if you come home and say honey i think we all do this and she says to you i've been waiting on you to make that decision i've had a piece about this for weeks ding 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 That's a check mark. Probably God's leading you in that direction. Agreement in marriage. You say, Pastor, that sounds good. What do I do if I've messed up? Aren't you glad God allows U-turns? He's a God of the second chance and the third chance. Folks, the will of God can be pretty difficult in some of the scenarios we face in life but trust God that if you know his word and you have a history of being as obedient as you know how to be God's gonna direct your steps if you seek him in the right spirit just don't go and do your own thing Paul is saying you need to understand the will of the Lord the foolish person just treads water marks time Never comes to a true understanding or even cares that much what God wants of him. How foolish. Again, folks, we need to wake up. We need to be alert. Christ is risen from the dead. And he dwells in you if you're in Christ. Wake up. And live like a Christian ought to live. Think like a Christian ought to think and live like a Christian ought to live. And use your time and opportunities the way a Christian ought to do so. Let me give you some further applications. Lesson one, examine your life constantly. Are you living your life carelessly without really giving thought to your daily habits and decisions? Or are you honestly trying to lay everything in your life bare before God that He might correct you and lead you? Examine your life constantly. Secondly, make sure what you are trading a day of your life for that it will stand up to God's approval at the judgment seat of Christ. Treat life as God's gift to you that you are to surrender back to him. Thirdly, God is not playing hide and seek with us when it comes to his will. He actually wants us to follow his will. When you seek his will and pray about his will, you are seeking something that is his desire to give. let's pray together Lord as believers as believers help us to live differently in this world God remind us that Christ lives he's not dead so help us to pursue a growing relationship with him Lord we see how the world is living in futility And how the world is darkened in its understanding. Help us to be wise as serpents and as gentle as doves, as the Bible says. God, equip us to be salt and light in the darkness. Lord, may we truly be a people who pursues you above all things. And Lord, I pray for that one today who needs to come to Christ in these last days. May they not delay. As scripture says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.